Well, we come today to the, the final um, message on the Holy Spirit, and uh, we are settling in uh, on the book of Titus, the letter uh, to Titus, um, and, and it truly is a delightful letter uh, that weaves together uh, important themes of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we are, are very grateful uh, to be able to look at parts of the entire book of Titus. Uh, in this in this message, um, I will be reading at this time, though, just chapter three, verses verses one through one through eight. Titus chapter three. This is the Spirit's word to us this very day. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you for your word, Holy Spirit. We pray that even as you led the apostle to write these words down those many years ago, you would be working in our hearts, that we would hear, that we would mark, that we would learn, that we would obey. Encourage us through the present ministry of the Spirit. Amen. Three points by way of introduction this morning. First of all, good works run through this letter uh, like a cable. Uh, It begins in chapter 1 describing what an elder must look like. All believers are to look this way, but an elder must. He must be a lover of good. A lover of good. Uh, Chapter 2 speaks to older women who are to teach younger women... How to be self-controlled and how to love their husbands and their children. Describes then a little bit, a couple of verses later, talking directly to Titus, but this makes sense for any leader in the church. You must be a model, you must be a model for good works. And then chapter two, a little bit later on, uh, it speaks of the great coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace appeared in the person of Jesus. You were saved. And all of that enables you, what? To be zealous for good works. 
Not just to do them, but you're not able to not do them. You're zealous to do them. Chapter 3, verse 1, which we looked at today, you are to be ready for every good work. Later on in the chapter, devote yourselves to good works. And then at the very end, the last one is learn to devote. It takes time. It takes concentration. It takes discipline. But learn to devote yourselves to good works. It hits you time and time again with staccato regularity. Do good works. It's a high bar. Sometimes we feel outmatched. Sometimes we feel more like failures than those who are able to fulfill this command, these commands. The second point, then, is that self-control is not the same thing as spirit control. To put it another way, self-control is really spirit control, properly understood. Self-control isn't simply the willpower to make yourself change. Without the work of the Holy Spirit drawing you to the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ, the burden of guilt being lifted, the remembering of the, the law that is written on your heart, you simply depend on the Holy Spirit And one way that we depend on the Holy Spirit, which we'll be talking about today, is the Holy Spirit has put it in your heart, as the psalmist says, highways to Zion. The Holy Spirit places in you a highway heading to heaven, a sense that all that we're involved in in this work, all the busyness, it can distract us from that one goal of being with the Lord for eternity. And so we desire and we look with longing to the Lord Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, uh, in his essay, uh, Weight of Glory, I and others from this pulpit have, have given this to you, but we're going to do it again. C.S. Lewis says this, we are half-hearted creatures fooling around about with, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. We have highways to heaven in our hearts, but we play around with mud pies of our own creation, distracting. We bite into those gritty mud pies day after day. We get momentary relief, but we are worse off for having bitten into them. The Spirit is drawing us away from mud pies uh, to, to walk steadily on that highway to Zion. Number three, God, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, God gives us what He requires through the Spirit's work of regeneration and renewal. God gives what He requires. Regeneration uh, is uh, God imparts new life 
in us and to us by the Holy Spirit so that we are um, able and willing to turn from sin and embrace Christ. And he gives a disposition, a new heart, a new desire, a disposition so we delight to obey him. The Holy Spirit uh, ignites uh, uh, new life in you. Uh, it is that spark in the cylinder that, that causes the explosion of power in a gasoline combustion engine. It brings a car to life so God sovereignly gives new birth. It is a grace-infused life whether or not you feel it. A Holy Spirit-given, grace-induced new life. It is sovereignly given, and it is powerful. It is no less powerful, God's working regeneration, no less powerful than His creating of the entire world. No less an act of His power than His raising up Christ's cold lifeless body from the tomb. It is the power of God. Because of that, there are three things that we want to look at this morning. One of them is, as we think about our being trained uh, by the ministry of the Spirit, trained and discipled by the Spirit to live a life that honors Him, we keep in mind we have a new destiny. And we thank Him that we have new desires. And we commit ourselves in the name of the Lord and under the power of the Holy Spirit to a new discipline. A new discipline. Destiny, desires, and discipline. Uh, Regeneration starts you in a brand new direction. Uh, It gives you a new destiny. If I find in myself, C.S. Lewis would say in Mere Christianity, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy, it does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Instead, he would say that it is an indication that the best is yet to come. So you were remade for a new destiny. And who among us does not long for that fresh start, that new beginning? Palangenesia, new beginning. The washing of regeneration refers to the Spirit's cleansing and granting us that new beginning. There's only one other place in the New Testament, where this word is used. And it is not of our personal uh, experience of being regenerated. It is instead in Matthew 19, and Jesus uses that word as he is describing what awaits his followers. If those who are following Jesus can expect and do expect a new world, that's that's the word, regeneration, a new world. Another translation puts it this way, the next world, it's coming for sure. And our faith, good, faithful uh, King James Version simply calls it the regeneration. The coming of the new heavens and the new earth is a regeneration, a second beginning, a new beginning. That big and final regeneration is coming 
But we are led to believe and have confidence in that as we consider one another and ourselves as those in whom the Spirit has already worked regeneration, we can say that the first phase, because we are united to Christ, the first phase of that regeneration has already started. The first phase of the coming of new heavens and new earth has already started. Your regeneration makes you an early expression of the new creation. So we are on that journey to the new world. It's already in our hearts. And so the things of this world do grow strangely dim because of that new, in your new heart, there is that highway to heaven. The Bible even goes on to put it this way. Who is going to be, who is going to be welcomed into heaven? There's a description of the person who will be welcomed into heaven. And that is the person, as Hebrews says, who is eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus. There's an eagerness to see him. As it were, uh, I'm going to hang on to something here so I don't fall. Uh, it, it's, it's getting up on your tiptoes and looking at the horizon for the coming of Jesus. You're eager to see him. That's who, that's the person who's going to be in heaven. We have this new destiny, and it shapes absolutely everything about us. At first, secondly, it shapes our desires. We become uh, like the elder must be, Harry, right? The elder must be uh, a lover of good. And that is, that's a description of all of us who believe in Jesus, that we are growing into it. Now, there is a debate among, among um, theologians, those who study and write on the scriptures, that is there in our text, which says, uh, there we, according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's regeneration and uh, the renewal, sort of two ways of looking at the same thing, or are they two different things? And I, with some hesitation, would disagree with my uh, former professor, Sinclair Ferguson, who said that these were really, really saying just about the same thing. I, I, would, I would question that. Regeneration, of course, when we are washed by the Spirit, uh, is the new birth. It is being born from above. And renewal is growing up in your identity to fulfill your identity of one who has been born again, who is learning to love good. They both have to do with change. Regeneration starts the process, and renewal is the continuation of the process. And I'm in good company with John Calvin on this one. Regeneration leads to renewal throughout your entire life. Exactly. Regeneration leads to renewal throughout your Entire, uh, entire life. The Holy Spirit produces those good works and we love them and we are zealous for them. Now, we cannot uh, go past this without recognizing that, um, that, that we, can, we can and do expect resistance. And this is where you have to consider both ends of this whole dynamic of renewal. There is in me a heart for obedience and glory. There is also in my members, there is something that pulls me back, that holds me down. As the scripture says, evil that lies so close at hand, evil that clings so closely. 
the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Galatians 5. Um, They are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. The highways to heaven are in your heart. You want that obedience. But there's an impulse in you that keeps you at times. We fight it by the Spirit. We overcome it. But it defeats us at times to keep us from doing the thing that we want to do. You see, um, we have that lust of the flesh, the envy, the coveting, the self-righteousness, all it all we, we know it we know it well enough. That sin uh, clings closely to us. It is at hand, the scripture would say, but hear this, my dear friends, the spirit is also close at hand. And the spirit clings even more closely. But your growth as a Christian will be stunted until you detect and detest the particular brand of indwelling sin that haunts you. You will be stuck. You will be stunted until you first of all detect and secondly that you detest And that's where we get to the third point of the new discipline. The new discipline that we're going to be talking about separates and strengthens. The new discipline separates and strengthens. It separates us from the world's thinking and the world's attractions. There is a separation. We are, we are, we, we are cleaved. There's a, a, a breaking with the world's uh, passions the world's thinking, the world's attractions. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12, we are being trained to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. C.S. Lewis reminded us that it could be drink, it could be sex, it could be ambition, but it could be a thousand other things as well. The question is, what is your self-indulgence? Where does your mind go? What do you just have to have? Whether it's some form of self-comfort, whether it is near constant entertainment, whether it is material things, money, whether it's being right and winning arguments. What do you just have to have? The ministry of the Spirit, as we practice new disciplines... The ministry of the Spirit separates you from the world's thinking and attractions and then also strengthens your desire for your new life. Separating you from the old and strengthening you in that desire for a new life as you more and more, your heart is running along the pathway, the highways, highways to heaven towards your new destiny towards what you really and truly desire. I want to talk just briefly about two things. First is the discipline of Scripture. The discipline of Scripture. Familiar psalm. 
Uh, Psalm uh, 73 uh, describes the envying heart. They, in the, the writer of the psalm uh, imagines that, uh, that everyone else in the world, in particular those who are not believers of Yahweh, followers of God, everyone else is, is wealthy and healthy. Everything's going fine with their lives. And there I am with the difficulties that are unique. No one else goes through this. And so he, in his envying, he is just, he is, his, he's becoming, as he would say, a brute beast before God. He silently, silently charges God with neglect. He charges God with being unfair. His faith is certainly shaken. How does God serve him? He serves him through the ministry of word. He is reminded, the this, this psalmist himself is reminded uh, that when I saw their final destiny, sanity returned. God's truth brings sanity. And whatever your insanity, God's truth brings a proper, uh, solid, faithful way of thinking. <coughs> Scripture feeds your new identity. You believe... Um, you are who God says you are, even when there is evidence in your heart against it. God calls you an, an adopted child. You may feel on your own. And you may feel without much strength for progress. And you may give up on God's Word. And you're exactly missing the point. We go to God's Word to restore Sanity. We come to God to restore knowledge of Him as our Father. Valley of Vision has a phrase in here. Elaine Pollock showed this to me years ago and I've not been able to find the prayer, but it's got this little phrase in it. If one of you finds this prayer in Valley of Vision, I'll give you five bucks, okay? And this is the phrase, Believe before you feel. Give me the grace, Father, to believe before I feel. That's why we read and memorize and meditate on the Scripture. It is to kill envy and it is to grow our faith. The Spirit speaks through the Word. You open it up in the morning and you have a personal interview with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to you at your point of need and even desperation. The discipline of the Scripture. The second thing is the discipline of Sabbath. Sabbath very clearly reinforces your destiny. Uh, in, in worship, um, Hebrews 12 uh, states that we are actually in the Spirit we are raised up into fellowship with the saints, the perfected saints in heaven in our worship. In, in other words, we are, you don't see it, okay? This is another one of those. We don't see it, but it's true that we are elevated to the point where we are with God in heaven with the saints. So Sabbath, this Sabbath breaks the attack, uh, the, uh, um, uh, 
It, it breaks the attachment of things in this world and tightens our attachment to the life to come. It strengthens those whose hearts are the highways to heaven. Now, if you are casual in your use of the Sabbath, uh, that you, uh, you, 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 you stay away from worship, you um, do the things that you want to do on the Lord's Day, you are not staying in a neutral place before God. Something's happening to you spiritually. And that is the attachment that you have to heaven is being weakened and the attachment that you have with this earth is being strengthened. So it is the discipline of Scripture. It is the discipline of Sabbath that's, that separates you from the attachment of things in this world and strengthens you in your heart on your highways to heaven. The world tightens its grip and distractions become even more alluring. Parents, it is, very, it is imperative that you guard your children's hearts. Uh, schools schools and, and uh, uh, social events and sports um, leak over into the Sabbath without discrimination today. And they demand your loyalty. You tell your children that God is the most important one, but you may then send them off to soccer practice. What's the message they're picking up? When Gail and I were raising our children, and I don't know, things were much different back then, maybe just not to the extent that they are now, but, but we would have the, our kids would have events scheduled for Sunday, and um, we would, I remember, uh, going to some uh, leaders of those events and speaking with them and, and reminding them of something they already knew, that this is the Lord's Day. It is, not, it is not soccer day, it is the Lord's Day. And would you, would you please reconsider the scheduling of, of uh, events, practices on this day? And you know what? If they say no, you've got a really, really simple response. If, if they can't handle your child not being there on Sunday and forbid you really from taking that, having that religious liberty, you simply withdraw from the event. It's not a question. It's not something you wonder what you should do. Oh, this is so difficult. It is not difficult. It is not difficult. You are showing your child what is truly important and you are showing your child what is life-giving and how you lead them when they are between the ages of five and eight uh, prepare them uh, for their life as teenagers and when they move out of your home. Interesting that uh, many years ago there was a case that came before the General Assembly of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church to deal with this question. Can you discipline someone for not going to evening service? And the report said, no, you cannot discipline someone for not going to the evening service. It is not an explicit command. You could argue that, but that's what the report says. It's not an explicit command. So what do we do with that? We, we, we do what we, call, what we call are calling today spirit discipline. Spirit discipline to deepen the desires of the hearts of all of us 
to be consistent with our destiny, where we're going. And so we, we ask ourselves very simple questions. Um, we are being, um, are we being, are we living by the Spirit in order to strengthen our hearts' highways to heaven? That is, by being involved in the services of the church, Sunday school and the other services of the church. Are we living by the Spirit to strengthen our heart's desires on our way to heaven? Or are our choices reinforcing my attachment to the old life here? Is, it my, is my choice feeding today's desires? Whether it is watching TV or going to the mall. I don't know why you would want to do that in any case, but it, we're not certainly not today. Household projects and or reading romance novels or whatever it is you're doing. Ask the Spirit. You can hear the Spirit addressing you in this very point. Are, are what you, is what you are doing strengthening your attachment to this world or strengthening your attachment to heaven? And then you act in accordance with what the Spirit is doing. What the Spirit has said. Uh, two, two final applications of this, then, um, in, this, in this rich, tight little letter. And this, the first one is this, older, between older women and younger women. Older women and younger women. This is in, in uh, chapter 2, verses 3, uh, three through 5. Um, um, older, older men uh, are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Then older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled. Keep in mind spirit control to, to, in order to be self-controlled. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Forty-seven years ago, Gail and I got a, a recipe file from one, a woman named Mrs. Katz, and uh, one of the things contained in there... Uh, was a, um, a, a carrot cake recipe that remains, in my opinion, the gold standard for carrot cake literally across the world. It is, a, it is a wonderful recipe. It is smudged, but it is still legible and it is something that we enjoy to this day. Some of you have enjoyed it as well. A great gift. We are very thankful. And yet there is a spiritual gifting that must go along as well. In a local church, young women need veteran wives and mothers uh, to be part of Holy Spirit renewal in their lives. Uh, one of them needs you, older woman, for input on how to love her children and her husband. Remember, there's a battle going on inside of her. It is the flesh against the spirit, Galatians 5, 15, of 17, the, the flesh against the spirit. She has battles in her heart. Um, she's tempted just to be silent, to stay private, to not talk about hard things, to not share battles that are going on in her heart, to simply not get real with another person. She fights with that. 
She may fight with perfectionism and feel like a failure that she's not able to accomplish things. She deals with that. She hears voices inside and outside of her own head. The voices from the outside saying, you don't, you don't submit to a man. And the voice inside her head echoes that. You don't submit to a man. Not this one. Not the way he's treated me recently. Older women have battles too. Maybe they feel too busy. Maybe they think that they put their time in elsewhere in in other decades and that they really deserve a trouble-free retirement. Maybe they don't know what they would say. Maybe they don't know really if it's their job. You see, the flesh is against the spirit in them too. But for both, the spirit is against the flesh to enable this spirit discipline to overcome those barriers. And women, older women, you you find, by God's grace, you find someone that you can invest in. with whom there is a connection. And you give her Jesus as she opens herself up to describe her failures. You give her encouragement in Christ as she may even discuss the, uh, the, the numbing regularity of certain of her tasks. I remember one thing that blessed Gail. She would think about when she was doing laundry when we had four kids in the house and it was an interminable, it was a huge pile. Now, wait a minute. Then she assigned one of the kids to do it. This must be before she assigned one of the kids to do it. That, that she would be, what enabled her to do laundry so without, with a good heart was, this is God's work towards us. He, he is removing the stains and the stench from these clothes of our own bodies. And he is purifying us in the spirit. Enable her to do that, uh, that laborious task. The spirit battles against the flesh. Give her Jesus in her failures. Strengthen her heart's highway to heaven. She needs and wants to hear the spirit's voice. She does need it, and she does want it. One of the delightful young women of this church not too long ago uh, spoke to me about uh, a growth group that they were involved in. And most of the people in that group were, were of the same age with lots of little, little children. And they found themselves talking to each other sort of in an echo chamber as they were just dealing with the same, all the same things and, and didn't have the wisdom really to know how to resolve things or get a better perspective on things. An older couple came into the group, a seasoned, delightful, grace-filled older couple came into the group, and she, and she said it just, it just turned the atmosphere in a moment to have help, to have help. We help one another, especially older women and younger women, we help one another as we uh, have that highway to heaven in our hearts. The, 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 the second, and one I just want to mention briefly, it, is, it's in, it's in uh, the third chapter, the first few verses there, when it says, be ready for every good work. And, and, and then there is a description that is as beautiful an, an account of the law of God as is, as is imaginable. 
um, the, it shows the flesh warring against the spirit in these prohibitions. Remember them, re- remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. And now here's a, here's a list for you. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Your speech can bring real peace into your home, into your friendships, or it can bring chaos and wreak havoc. You see, you can win an argument and silence your wife or your children, and you become more alienated in your home in silence than you were in conversation. And in your heart, there is that warring against the Spirit when you simply have to justify yourself. You have to explain why you did it. You have to explain why you're right. And that's a very short jump then to reasons why you do not need to respect them. And so bitterness and speaking evil and quarreling hardens into hostility We've experienced that, right? We know what that's like. But the Holy Spirit wages war against the flesh. That's the battle we want to be in on. And his help starts with humility. You notice when I read this uh, at the beginning of this message, uh, concentrating on that word for in the beginning of of verse 3, all, all of these, all of these troubles that, that can come into our, into our, our families and our churches, speaking evil, avoiding quarrel, you know, we're, we're, we're quarreling, we're not gentle, and, and, and all of that. And then, and then how do we get there? How do, how can we overcome that battle that wages in our own hearts and lives, that flesh waging war against the spirit? We sit on that word for. Verse three, four. All right. This is the equipment that you need to be able to activate. Verse uh, verse two: speaking evil to no one, uh, and avoiding quarreling, and being gentle, and showing perfect courtesy to all people. What do you do? You remember that we too were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Do you hear yourself described here? Passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But the goodness and kindness of God showed up in Jesus. We've experienced the tenderness and mercy of God. The currency for our journey to heaven is mercy. The currency for our journey to heaven is is mercy. The hymn we were singing, 338, I want to read the third verse to you. And with this we will close. Hast thou not bid us love thee, God and King, all, all thine own heart, soul, and strength and mind? I see thee, I see thy cross, There teach my heart to cling. Oh, let me seek thee 
and God let me find. If you're here this morning and you can honestly say, I've never learned how to find the peace and the mercy that God offers, look uh, to Jesus, look to the cross. He's there for you today. He's a God of mercy, a God of peace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do um, thank you uh, for the ministry of the Spirit. We thank you that you give us a really high bar and then you equip us through the power of the Spirit to meet it. We pray that where anyone, if there's anyone here today who is discouraged, needs a glimpse of Jesus, needs to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit and create discipline that sets our lives on that highway to heaven, Holy Spirit, work life-changing by your life-changing power uh, this very day. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.